Amen. Well, thank you, Blake. Appreciate that. Here we are again, my friends. Uh, thank you for joining us online. Thank you for gathering as a church, even during this time where we can't gather in the church. And as Blake just kind of alluded to a moment ago, I know this is frustrating uh, for many of you. I'm frustrated too, not to be able to be together physically. Um, but I believe God is going to speak to us powerfully through this time. I believe he's still moving. He's still at work even in this moment. And I don't think it's an accident that we're talking about what we're going to be talking about this morning um, on this day. So we're in a series right now called Life Hacks. And we're talking about really how do you have a healthy soul? What does it take to have a healthy soul? And, and the reason we wanted to talk about this in November, kind of the end of 2020, is because 2020 has been a brutal year in many ways. It's been a brutal year for our souls as we've had so much noise and so many things around us that have just been affecting our souls. And so if you were with us a couple weeks ago, we, we uh, made this statement. We said, um, go ahead if you guys could to that first slide. Okay, there we go. Uh, we said God speaks to us primarily in two different ways. God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, and God speaks to us through the word of God. So having a healthy soul means we are hearing regularly from the voice of God. And so God speaks primarily through the Holy Spirit and his word. Now, if you were here with us two weeks ago or watching online, you know that we talked about the Holy Spirit, what it means to have an abiding relationship with God through the, his Holy Spirit. Today, I want to spend some time talking about the Word of God. So I want to talk about how we hear the voice of God through the Bible because a healthy soul hears the voice of God through the Scriptures. Okay, if you're a follower of Jesus, your foundation, the place where you go to for truth is not the media. It's not the loudest voice on social media. Uh, it's not the political fray that we're constantly seeing and, and being drawn into. It's the scriptures. It's the Bible. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to go visit my grandma. My parents would take me. We called her Grammy. And the thing I remember the most about uh, my Grammy's house is when you would go into the living room, there was like this low coffee table in the living room, and there was this glass, this glass like dish filled with all these little hard candies. In fact, if I could see you, I bet you the rest of you are raising your hands too. I bet so many of you, you're like, yeah, my grandma had that same exact like dish full of hard candies. Something about grandmas, they always have that. And so as a little kid, I would go into the house, I would see that. That would be the first thing I would see was those hard candies. And I would say, uh, grandma, can I have uh, some of that candy? And she would always say the same thing to me. She would say, yes, you can have a piece of candy, Brian. But first, you have to come over here and give me a kiss. And so I would have to come over and I would have to give my grandma a kiss right on her lips before I would be allowed to take a piece of the candy. And I swear that woman would lick her lips before I would go over to give her a kiss. The beard also didn't help very much, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. There, there is no beard. But, but I would go over and it was like I would give my grandma this kiss, but then it was like I wasn't very hungry for the candy anymore. You know what I mean? I would get what I wanted but I would lose a little of my soul in the process. <laughs> and a lot of times when I hear people talk about what, like, what it means to read the Bible, what it means to engage with scripture, a lot of people talk about the Bible like that. It's like, in order to get what I want from God, I'm gonna have to read the Bible. Ugh. In order to, like, I guess, hear God speaking, about it, I guess I'm gonna have to read the Bible. I've had people even say things uh, like, you know, Brian, I, I've tried to read the Bible and I just don't get anything out of it. I just don't get anything out of it when I read the Bible. Can I be honest with you? 
There are days I don't either. I'm a pastor. There are days when I open the Bible and I read the Bible and I don't get much out of it either. It's not like just because I'm a pastor, every time I open the Bible, some amazing insight just jumps off the page at me. But, but what I've learned is that it's still important for me to be in this place of listening, in this place of submitting myself, of yielding myself to the way that God wants to speak and putting myself in a position to just allow him to speak any way that he wants to in my life through the Bible. So here's the question I'd love to ask as we get started here with this idea this morning. Do you approach the Bible as a transaction or a relationship? Is it like kissing your grandma to get candy? Like, oh, I'll do the, I guess I have to do this so that I can get this out of it. Is it a transaction or do you approach the Bible as part of a relationship with God? Imagine if you took the transactional approach with your spouse. Like, like imagine if you, you said to your spouse, to those of you who are married, you know, honey, I've been listening to you talk about your day for the last half hour, but I got to tell you, I'm, I'm not getting anything out of it. How would that go for you if you did that? In the same way, we don't listen to our spouse talk about their day so that we can get something out of it. We listen so that we can know the one who's talking, so that we can walk with them, so that we can understand what their life is like and understand what, what they experience is so that we can better know them. It's a relationship. And so it's with that approach that we're going to look at a passage of scripture this morning. If you're watching online, uh, obviously you are watching online. That's the only option. <laughs> uh, but uh, you can follow along with us. It'll be here on the screen. But we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. What's happening, if I can set it up for you, is Paul has started the church in Ephesus and now there's Timothy, this young man that he's coached and that he's poured his life into. And he is, uh, let, Timothy is actually taking over the church in Ephesus. And so what Paul is doing is he's coaching Timothy. And he's talking to him about the Bible and the role the Bible is supposed to play in not only Timothy's lives, life, but in our life as the church. And so this is what Paul says about the scriptures. Verse 15, he says, You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So what I want to do is just in those three verses right there, I just want to draw out uh, just three things that the scriptures bring to our lives. When we engage the scripture, when we actually, not as a transaction, but as a relationship, the scripture can bring three things into our lives. So go ahead. The first one, the first thing the, spring, the scripture brings to our souls is it brings us back to the person of Jesus. It brings us back to the person of Jesus. So what, what Paul says to Timothy there is like, from the time you were a child, you've been learning the scriptures and that's what's given you the, the ability to trust Jesus, to put your hope and your salvation in him. And that's what the Bible does to us. You can't actually read the Bible without getting to know the person of Jesus. And the reason for that is because when you approach the Bible, not as a transaction, but as a relationship, you're getting to know the one it's about. What you begin to realize as you study the Bible is that the Bible is one story. 
Yes, it's 66 books uh, with over 1,400 years, you know, uh, put together by all these different authors, but it tells one story and it points to one person. The Bible points to the person of Jesus. It's all about him. And so we need that in our lives. As followers of Jesus, we need to regularly be brought back to the person of Jesus. We, we need to regularly understand who he, not just who he was, but who he is in our life and our world. And what happens is as you allow the scriptures to bring you regularly back to the person of Jesus, is you begin to, to trust Jesus in your life more. You begin to actually see him not just as an example to follow, like, oh, you know, Jesus handled this that way. I should try to handle it that way too. I should try to be like him. But actually, he begins to become the true source of hope, the true source of, of trust that you begin to put your confidence in. He is the deepest need of every human life. He is the deepest need of our world right now. And the scriptures have this ability to take us back to Jesus. That's what Paul says to Timothy. That's what it's going to bring into your life. The second thing he says in verse 16 he says it brings conviction of sin. That when we are engaging the scriptures, what it'll do is it'll bring conviction of sin. Verse 16 actually said that we read, it says, it'll help you learn what is true and recognize what is false or wrong in our lives. So what it does is it corrects us. It brings us face to face, almost like a mirror. It brings us face to face to where different things in our lives are out of alignment with God, out of alignment with who he is. Uh, great spiritual writers, I don't know who actually coined this phrase, I'm not sure who said it first, but tons and tons of different people have talked about the difference between reading the Bible and letting the Bible read you. So there's reading the Bible, which is I'm trying to learn information, and then letting the Bible read you. What do we mean by that? What we mean by that is when, when you let the Bible read you, what you're doing is you're actually seeing yourself in it. You're, you actually see yourself in the characters. You see your situations and your life in the stories and in the different ways that the Bible is speaking. And you allow God to begin to highlight and underline parts of your life that he wants to bring change to. Because what God wants to do, he doesn't want to just inform you through his word, what God wants to do is he actually wants to conform you to the image of Jesus. That's what he's after. That's what he's doing when we read the Bible and when we actually let the Bible read us. And I'm amazed how many people during this season, during this time, have just kind of lost the ability to do that. Sure, we know the Bible. We know this verse or that verse, but we've lost that relationship where we're constantly letting the Bible read us in the midst of these times that we're living in. Now, I want to point out something really, really important. So this is a huge distinguishment. Please hear what I'm saying right now. If you've zoned out online for the last couple minutes, pay attention to this. Notice I said it brings conviction of sin. It does not bring guilt. It does not bring shame of sin. Why? Because the Bible brings us back to the person of Jesus. Jesus on the cross has dealt with all of your sin. All your, your past sins, your present sins, he's even dealt with all the sins you have yet to commit. So the Bible shouldn't bring shame of sin or guilt of sin. It should bring conviction. A lot of times I've had people say to me, I, I've tried to read the Bible, but every time I read the Bible, I just feel so guilty. I feel so ashamed like of myself and my life. And, and, I, and if, you're, if that's what you're doing, you're doing it wrong <laughs> or you're, you're not uh, understanding what it's really saying. Because the Bible actually points us to the person of Jesus who brings 
uh, salvation. So the Bible is not meant to, to just make you feel ashamed of yourself. It's meant to bring conviction. What's conviction? Conviction is an awareness that comes into our life. It comes through into our life when we read the Bible and the, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us and underline or highlight some area of our life. And we begin to go, oh man, there's this area. It's not guilt or shame. It's like there's, there's this area where I'm walking out of step with God. I'm out of obedience with the Father. And, and basically it's, it's a moment where we become aware of an area that we need to surrender to God so that he can bring it into conformity with the person of Jesus. So Paul says it brings us back to Jesus, it brings conviction of sin, and then the third thing in verse 17 he says is it brings equipping for our purpose. Well, what he says there in verse 17 is that the Holy Scriptures have this ability to equip and prepare God's people for every good work. So we believe here at Frontline, we have these five zeros that make up our vision. One of those five zeros is the idea of zero unfulfilled callings. In other words, no matter who you are, whether you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior or not, we believe every single per person was created by God with a purpose. There's something that he puts you on this earth to do, a purpose that he longs for you to fulfill in the kingdom of God. And our lives are full. Our, our lives come alive, essentially, when we find that purpose and when we're living in that purpose. So the Bible, the, the scriptures are what actually brings equipping into our lives for our purpose. Uh, Jesus actually quoted scripture constantly. If you go to the gospels and read, what you'll notice is that Jesus is constantly quoting scripture from the Old Testament. So that, that alone should tell you something of the role that scripture played in Jesus' life. It helped equip and prepare Jesus for the work that God had for him to do. So we said this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, but, but I just want to reiterate it again. You have a purpose. God put you on this planet for a reason, and you cannot accomplish your purpose that God has for you in your power. You can't do that. You don't have what it takes. And also, God will not lend you his power so that you can accomplish your purposes that are not in line with him. But when we come and we surrender ourselves and we allow the Bible to speak into our lives, all you need to accomplish your purpose in life is an abiding relationship with the Holy Spirit and a relationship with the Bible to keep leading you, to allow God to lead you. It will equip and empower you to do your purpose. So that's what this passage is saying about what the scriptures bring to us. Now, this is great. I'm glad we know this now. But here's the thing you need to understand. Just because you know this doesn't mean anything's going to change in your life. Just because we know this doesn't mean anything will actually change. We actually have to take another step beyond this, and we actually have to learn how to apply Scripture to our lives. Uh, several years ago, I went on a missions trip to Haiti. I was with a group of pastors, and the first night that we were there in Haiti, I couldn't sleep. I've had sleep issues all my life. It, it's, to this day, I still struggle with sleep, falling asleep at night. And I remember this first night, it was like 95 degrees at night, we're hearing all these noises, you know, dogs barking, all these weird smells. And um, it was just such a horrible night. I didn't sleep at all. And so the very next night, uh, one of the other pastors that was on the trip with us, he hands me this little pill and he says, go ahead, take this pill. It'll help you fall asleep. And because I always say yes when pastors offer me drugs, uh, I, I don't know why. I think I was just so tired I was willing to try anything. I took this pill and I popped it and I, I fell asleep and I'm not kidding you. I had the best night's sleep I've ever had in my entire life. 
So when we got back from that mission trip in Haiti, I went to my doctor so I could get a prescription of this wonderful pill. It's called Ambien. And so this pill, I began to take it, and it began this two or three years of dependent relationship I had on Ambien. It got so bad after a couple years to the point where I literally could not fall asleep at all without Ambien. So if I went on a trip or something and forgot my little pill bottle, I was just up all night and I knew it. It was like there was just no chance of me falling asleep. And in fact, it got to the point where it was so bad where even one pill wouldn't cut it anymore. There were nights where I wouldn't fall asleep. So I would have to go like take a knife and cut up another half a pill. So I would take a pill and a half to even fall asleep because my tolerance just kept growing. And right about this time, what happened is my wife, who is a nurse, and some other friends began to send me articles. There were articles of research that had been done on this drug, Ambien, and the articles all said the same thing. They said, Ambien, if you use it over a long period of time, it can cause memory loss, memory problems. And I was already starting to have some of those issues. And that actually it will cause early onset dementia in a lot of people who will take it over a long period of time. And so I got to tell you, reading those articles, I felt convicted I actually felt convicted about it. I was like, oh no, this is bad. This drug is bad for me. I remember like thinking, man, I'm like playing around with my health here, my long-term mental health if I don't do something about this. But nothing actually changed just because I knew that. Just because I read those articles didn't mean anything changed in my life. Nothing changed until I started getting honest with a couple other people and I started actually living in accountability with that. I began to slowly you know, cut the pills down little by little until finally for, for the last several years, I've been completely ambient free, totally free from it. But it only happened when I was willing to actually take what I'd read and apply it and get in community with others. Can I tell you, that's what we've got to do with the Bible. In fact, that's why we have small groups. If you're not in a small group right now, we have small groups that are meeting virtually right now. And small groups, uh, there's very few of us compared to previous years who are in small groups right now. Just, I think, because of the pandemic and because of just the way it's disrupted our lives. But we were intended to read the Bible in community with others and then have that sense of accountability that when there's conviction in an area of our lives, we have brothers and sisters who come around us who support us and until we really are applying the scriptures to our lives like that, nothing really changes. That's what God longed for us to do. And so if I, if I could, I just want to, again, this is life hacks, right? We're talking about these practical tools, these practical helps. If I could, uh, I want to just give you three components that will help you actually apply scripture to your life. I'm trying to be as practical as we can right now. So three things, we're going to talk about rhythm, we're going to talk about read, and we're going to talk about reflection. So quickly, let's, let's start with rhythm. Uh, by rhythm, when we talk about applying scripture, rhythm just means having a daily routine, having a daily rhythm where you step away from Facebook, okay? You, you turn off the notifications, you step away from your newsfeed, and you just get quiet and you open the Bible and you allow God to speak to you. So it's a time where you have a regular rhythm. And if you don't underestimate how important this first one is, don't just skip through it. Because anything in your life that is important to you, you make time for, you have a rhythm for. If you want to get in better shape, you have a rhythm for when you exercise. You have time that you set aside to go to the gym or to exercise or to run or, or whatever it is. If you want a better marriage, you set aside time and you make a regular rhythm of date nights to be with your spouse. It's the same thing here. If you want to regularly hear from God from the scriptures, you have to have a regular rhythm 
of getting quiet, getting alone with him and allowing him to speak to you through the Bible. So, so that's what we do. We have a, a rhythm. And the second thing is we read. Now, uh, some people need like a reading plan or some people are like more, maybe you're more goal, goal oriented. Maybe that's kind of the way you're wired. So some people will need like a reading plan. I just want to tell you, version is an app. If you've never downloaded that or you don't know what that is, version not only does it have all the translations of the Bible uh, that you can access on an app on your phone, but it has reading plans. And so I, I have friends who will do like, you know, read through the Bible in a year, those kinds of reading plans. And I'll just be honest with you, those things never worked really well for me because what would happen, and maybe you're like me, I, I would get like three months in and I would get behind on my reading and then I'd, then I'd feel so guilty and ashamed of myself. And then I just kind of, you know, which was not the point at all, of course, of the Bible. So what we're after here when we read the Bible, we're not after like a conquest of number of pages read. Okay, that's not what we're after. What we're after is slowing down and getting time where we sit unhurried and we just allow God to speak to us. Again, we're not reading the Bible so much as we're letting the Bible read us. We're allowing him to highlight from his word different pieces, different elements where we need him to speak into our lives. There's an ancient practice that's people are discovering more and more in our day. It's called Lectio Divina. It's an, uh, an ancient way of reading the scriptures. Essentially what you do is you have four different readings. You read the same passage four times slowly and there are different points of it. You allow God to put his finger on different things for you as you read it. But, but that's what we're doing. We're allowing the Bible to read us when we read. Okay, the third thing is reflection. This is the most important part actually. Because uh, we actually don't grow from just reading. What we grow from is our reflection on what we just read. By the way, we allow God to prompt our hearts. By the way, we allow God to, to speak to us and give us insight into our lives from what we've just read. And, and so uh, there are different ways of doing this. I keep a journal. I have like in my office upstairs, I have like cabinets full of journals I've kept over the years where I'll read scripture and I'll just take time and I'll just journal. I'll just write down, like reflect on whatever it is that I'm hearing God say to me. And it's amazing when I go back over those journals, when I look back over the years, all the things that, that I see in different seasons of my life, how God spoke to me and walked alongside me and spoke to me even through his word. And so that's what we're looking for. This, these are ways that we begin to apply scripture in our lives. Now, why am, I, I'm, why am I taking the time to tell you all this? Why here in November at the end of 2020, why, am I, uh, why, am, why are we having these life hacks? I'm trying to give you all these practical tools about how to actually do that. Can I just tell you, I think as the church, we've gotten away from this. In this time, we've gotten away from allowing the Bible to be the place we run to. And so it's become all these other things. And so the church looks less and less distinct in our world. It looks less and less like Jesus. It just looks more and more like the rest of the world. Nothing changes until you begin to actually live into this and begin to apply it to your life. So can I challenge you? The challenge is, will you make an abiding relationship with the Holy Spirit and will you make the word of God the place that you run to in your life? Will you make it the place that when, when things get tough, when you don't know what to do, maybe even just the beginning of your day, the first thing you do at the start of your day is you just get into the presence of God. We need this right now. We need this right now. Because we're allowing a lot of other things to sort of co-opt our soul without our permission. 
and we're not allowing access to God's voice to speak into our lives. A healthy voice hears the voice, I'm sorry, a healthy soul hears the voice of God through the Holy Spirit and through the scriptures. I'll close with this. Uh, probably three weeks ago or so, I had a day off and um, I decided I just needed to go and just be and, and spend some time alone with God. And so uh, it was actually Blake uh, had suggested, why don't you go to PJ Hoffmaster State Park? And so I got in my car for this uh, day I had and I went to PJ Hoffmaster State Park. Many of you have been there. It's in Muskegon. And it was right during like the peak color uh, season, like all the leaves were changing colors and it was just beautiful. So I parked my car there in the parking lot and I decided to go on the Homestead Trail. Some of you have done this. And so I began to just walk and it's this, uh, it's this trail that leads you through like the dune forest right there. And I'm, I'm looking and it's just like, I'm praying and I'm just walking through the woods. I'm pouring my heart out to God and it's just absolutely beautiful. Like God, the Father is just showing off, you know, all these colors of these leaves are just absolutely breathtaking. And as you walk through the trail, you can actually hear the beach before you see it. So you hear it, you hear Lake Michigan. And then there's this moment where you come out and suddenly it's there. I mean, I, I took some pictures there. You can kind of see it. The, the trail leads you out to where suddenly there's this moment where you walk out and you emerge and there's Lake Michigan and all its beauty. And so then what you do is you walk along the, the beach. You kind of go up and ascend the different dunes. And so you see these breathtaking views of Lake Michigan before it finally takes you back through the forest, back to the parking lot. So I did this walk, had this incredible time uh, with God, and I took all these different pictures while I was there. This is just a few of them. And when I got back to my car, I looked at my Fitbit, this thing that sits on my arm that, you know, measures steps and all that. And when I got back to my car, my Fitbit told me I had gone 7,986 steps. I had walked 3.61 miles. I had climbed 59 flights of stairs, I guess because of the dunes. And I had 23 active zone minutes, which I don't even really know what that means. It has something to do with heart rate. Uh, but I had 23 active zone minutes. Uh, when I got home and my wife asked me, how was PJ Hoffmaster State Park when I walked back in? I did not say to her, oh, honey, I got to tell you. It was exactly 7,986 steps from my car all the way back around to the parking lot on the Homestead Trail. I walked 3.61 miles. I didn't say that. When she asked me how PJ Hoffmaster was, I said, you would not believe the beauty of this place. I showed her the pictures and I talked with her about like what it, what it felt like walking through those woods, what the experience was like. Here's why I'm telling you this. Some of you are living your life as if you're trying to accomplish a certain number of steps. What God wants to do is he wants to walk with you through the moments of your life. He wants to be with you. He is with you right now in the midst of a second surge, in the midst of this unsure moment in our nation's history. He is with you and he wants to be with you in the moments of your life. When you get to heaven someday or when you stand before God someday and all of us will, God is not going to ask you how many steps you took. <laughs> He's not going to ask you how many pages of the Bible you read. He's not going to ask you how many doctrinal position statements that you memorized. He's not going to ask you how many Greek words you learned. He's going to ask you one question. He's going to ask, did you know me? Did you know me?
We know him through the person of Jesus, revealed to us through the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's going to want to know, did you know me? Did you follow me? Were you, did you allow me to lead you? And so if you're, you know, wherever you're at, I don't know where you're watching from right now. Would you just bow your heads with, for a moment with me? I'd love to just close us in a moment of prayer before we respond and worship. Let's just go to him together. So Lord, what we long to hear right now is your voice. We long to just know to the core of our beings that we are loved by you, that you are with us in the midst of what we're struggling with. You're with us in the midst of what we're battling in our lives, each of us individually. And God, we just recognize our only lifeline, our only hope, the only thing that would anchor us into a place of, uh, of surety and foundation for all of eternity is you. And so God, would you speak to us? We, we turn to you, God. We turn down the volume right now on all these other voices that want to co-opt our souls and our lives. God, different ways that every day we're pulled into arguments and controversies and all kinds of things. And we just want to say, Lord Jesus, we just arrest ourselves. We stop and we come back to you. Would you speak to us? Uh, would you align us once again with who you are? Would you remind us that you have a purpose for us and a plan for our lives? And that you want to equip us and prepare us and you want to be with us in the moments of our lives through whatever it is that, that we face and that you want to use us for your kingdom. And so God, to that end, would you equip us? Would you empower us as we turn to you, as we trust in you, as we put our faith in you and walk with you, God, would you do it? Would you produce the fruit? We just acknowledge that it is apart from you, we can do nothing and it's you accomplishing your purposes in us. As we abide in you, that's what accomplishes the goal. That's what accomplishes the fruit. So to that end, God, that's why you deserve all the glory, Jesus. You deserve all of it. We hold nothing back for ourselves. We trust you. We thank you for who you are. And as we turn ourselves to you, God, would you bless us as we do that? In Jesus' name, amen.